More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly and happy as always to be joining you for another episode of the podcast today. And as I tend to do each episode, want to invite you to join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. We've got a page on Facebook and you can search Survivor Sanctuary podcast and request to join there. I love that it's a private group so people aren't getting in there and kind of trolling the comments and things like that. So it's a safe place for you to share and read other stories about people who may be going through some of the same things that you're going through or that you have gone through. It's a great supportive space and we would love to have you. Well, on today's episode of the podcast, I want to talk about something that comes up for people who are working in the advocacy community and for people who have been survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And it's an accusation that can kind of get thrown at us sometimes if we're not careful, especially if we spend a lot of time talking about sexual abuse. And that is, you think everyone is a child molester, or you think everyone is an abuser. And if that's not an assumption that's made about you as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, then maybe it's another kind of another version of that. Maybe it's a little bit different. But when people say you think everyone was abused. Now, that's actually something that's been said to me by people who are close to me and who totally support me in, you know, healing from childhood sexual abuse and in believing survivors. But I would see people sometimes it just happens and see some situations in life that they're going through, especially children who seem to be struggling with some kind of underlying trauma. And I know what you're going to say, Kelly, they were probably sexually abused. And that accusation, if you will, because I can't, I can't find really a better word to think of than accusation. Although I I think that sometimes when people say it, it's, there's no malice, there's no intent to like shame you or reprimand you. It's just like, uh, you think everybody was abused. And I just wanted to talk about those two today, but primarily the accusation that we get as survivors of sexual abuse or as abuse advocates that we think everyone is an abuser. Now, I don't know if that particular accusation has been thrown at you may depend on where you're at in your journey or how much you talk or don't talk about childhood sexual abuse. But I feel like if you're outspoken about it at all, if you talk about it with your friends, your family in your church, or maybe you just kind of post things online about childhood sexual abuse and surviving abuse, I think that this is something kind of like a stigma, maybe like this person thinks everybody is an abuser. So I wanted to unpack that a little bit on today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary and maybe not clear the air for everyone because I can't speak for everyone, but kind of 
to respond to that accusation uh, that no, survivors of sexual abuse do not think that everyone is an abuser, nor should we suspect that everyone is an abuser. And kind of why people may throw that accusation at us or think that about us and how I respond to that when I hear that in my own life. But I want to start first with a story that happened to me several years ago. I was a part of a church and I believed that one of the youth leaders was a child molester. I just had some alarm bells going off and watching him interact with youth. And I had more alarm bells go off when I began the Survivor Sanctuary podcast and this person could no longer look me in the eye. He would avoid me where before he had always been very friendly and, you know, made sure to say hi to me on a Sunday morning in church and ask me how I was doing or at the very least wave hello and be very friendly. And then after I started the Survivor Sanctuary podcast, suddenly he was unable to look me in the eye on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night at church or at a church function, just very much avoided me where he had always before kind of been more open and friendly. And because of that, I'm not saying that my intuition told me the nanosecond that I saw this person that he may be sexually abusing children. But when I started the podcast and after that, it was like this complete turnaround of the way that he had interacted with me before, I began to think that it was a little bit odd. And at first it was, well, maybe he just thinks I'm making the church look bad like so many people do. Like you're making the church look bad by speaking out about sexual abuse within the church. But then I began to watch his interactions with young people and just saw how he was constantly surrounded by young people, constantly was driving them places, constantly hosting events for them and going to events for them. And my intuition at that point just kind of like kicked into high gear and I had this radar going off for a couple of years after that like this is not good and this person is more than likely sexually abusing the children that he is supposed to be ministering to in the youth group and so I remember my frustration because I just firmly believed that this was the truth but I had absolutely no proof of anything I hadn't seen anything specific happened that could be taken to a church leader and I couldn't say like listen this behavior is going on and you need to look into it and As a survivor of sexual abuse and as someone who is outspoken about abuse, I also hesitated to say anything because I knew that that attitude that this whole podcast episode is based on was probably going to meet me if I tried to tell anybody about my concerns. And that is the attitude. You were sexually abused. You think everybody's an abuser. And so I stayed quiet. Fast forward a couple of years and this man was arrested for sexually assaulting a teenage boy. And around the same age of boy, he was always, always, always with in church. And it was a big scandal in the news. He's now awaiting trial for the crimes that he committed that we know of. But if you know anything about sexual abusers and child molesters, by the time they get caught with one victim, they've already had usually dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of victims. And there's a lot of different research on that. The numbers aren't an exact science, but we know that by the time a perpetrator gets caught, he or she has likely had many, many, many victims before that victim that they're caught with. So 
I recall in the couple of years leading up to his arrest where I just was so bothered sitting in church on a Sunday morning and just getting so annoyed because I'm like, God, and I used to have these conversations with the Lord while I was supposed to be paying attention in church, but I would just be like, I know something's going on with him. I know that he's not safe to be around kids. I know that he's abusing kids. I know it. And there's nothing I could do to prove it. So I would just pray that the truth would come out and that God would, you know, reveal the truth, whatever it was. And that was my prayer. And I remember uh, one Sunday being with my parents and talking to them and just saying, I'm so frustrated. I know this guy is a child molester. I know that he's abusing kids. And my dad was like, Kelly, you can't just go accusing everybody of being a child molester. And he said everybody as though I actually went around and accused everybody of being a child molester. But no, it was just this guy. But he's like, you know, you have this past as a person who's been sexually abused. And so, of course, you're going to think, you know, that more people are abusers than might actually be. And I just remember thinking, oh, if this is what my dad thinks. um, And of course, I pushed back on it because I, I can do that with my dad. And I'm like, no, this is my intuition telling me this. There are red flags everywhere. I don't think everyone is an abuser, but I do very much think that this man is an abuser. And one of the main reasons I didn't want to go to the church was because I thought if my own dad thinks that and he loves me and cares about me and actually supports me in my advocacy work, like if he thinks that, then how much more are these people in the church going to think that? And so while I don't blame myself for, oh, I could have stopped this man or whatever, I honestly don't think that anything that I would have said would probably have stopped him. But I do carry around a little bit of that what if kind of syndrome, where it's like if I had spoken up before, and if I had said something, maybe if I had, you know, been a part of the youth group, so I could have kept a closer eye on things and seen if I could gather some evidence. I don't know. But I've wondered if there was anything more that I could do. But that's just one example of being told like you think everyone is an abuser or because you were abused, you're more likely to believe that people are abusers. And I'm gonna say something that, I I mean, maybe it could be controversial, maybe not, but I think that it's true that if you were sexually abused, you're more likely to think that someone could be an abuser. And here's why. Not because you have some skewed perception of reality, but because you have, I don't want to call it necessarily a gift, um, because sexual abuse is not a gift, but because we were abused, I think that we do kind of have a gift for sniffing out people who do not have good intentions. And I was reading a book once, it talked about how abuse survivors can tend to sniff out a phony from like miles away. And I found that to be true in my own life. Not that I understand, you know, everyone I meet, I know immediately whether they're an abuser or not. That's definitely not something I'm gifted with. But it's just, there's like this BS meter that we have where I'm like, you know what, something's off about that person. It's just this intuition. And I think that survivors of sexual abuse are gifted with that intuition a little bit more than say the average person, because we've experienced what it's like to be betrayed by somebody that seemed very trustworthy in the beginning. And I want to touch on something real quick, because when we talk about intuition, I've heard it said, in fact, I was listening to a podcast recently where people were talking about how children just know. And it was a discussion about unsafe people and sexual abuse. And there was a lot of discussion about, you know what, children know that something is off. They, they just know they have this sixth sense, they know. And 
I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to push back on that because I do believe, first of all, that kids do have this sense of knowing sometimes that something is off with a grown up or something is off with a person who may be showing red flags of some kind. But I want to say this. I had literally no idea that my abuser wasn't a safe person. As a child, I was just happy and thrilled to be alive and loved playing and loved interacting with people and making friends. And I thought my abuser was this amazing, nice person. And I don't recall anything being like a check to me like, oh, something is off about this guy. Nothing. I thought that he was the bee's knees and just an awesome person. And I didn't know otherwise until he actually began sexually abusing me. And honestly, because I thought he was such a great person, I didn't even recognize that I was being abused when it started happening. And it was kind of like, it took a while for me to be like, oh, hey, this is not an appropriate thing that's going on. You know, something is wrong here. It actually took a while for that intuition to kick in. And we could get into the whys of that and maybe talk about, you know, my upbringing or or whatever. But honestly, I believe that I just genuinely thought he was a good person because I was a trusting kid. Like I trusted people. And when someone was nice and kind and sweet, I hadn't really been given any reason to not trust people who had shown me just extreme kindness like this person had shown me. So when people say kids just know, I want to push back on that a little bit because I don't believe that kids always just know when it comes to abusers. And I think that that's why a lot of us find ourselves in situations where, you know, a person we deeply trusted and felt totally fine around suddenly has proven to be an unsafe person. So, I mean, that's a little aside in what we're talking about right now, but I felt like it was important to mention because as children, we blame ourselves for being sexually abused. So when people say, oh, kids just know, they know when somebody, they know something's off about somebody. And when you say that, it's understandable because yes, sometimes kids do, but I think it's also really important to be aware that sometimes, no, kids just think this person is a safe person because they've always made me feel safe. And then suddenly they begin to slowly introduce things that may not be safe. And before a kid knows that they're being sexually abused and they feel like they signed up for it, you know? And so saying that kids just know, kind of adds to that a little bit, that feeling of like, oh, you know, I did something wrong because obviously kids know. So I should have known that my abuser was a giant pile of steaming poo instead of like the wonderful person that I thought he was. So just a little bit of an aside there. So to go back to my original point about survivors having like a sixth sense about people who are safe or unsafe or abusers or not abusers, I think that that's something a lot of us have. But for a lot of us, it tends to be after the fact, kind of because we've experienced it. We've experienced, right, that kind of sense that a person is totally safe and how could you not trust this good church-going person? How could you not trust this awesome pastor who just wants to joke around with you and teach you about the Bible and be super sweet to you and bring you candy and, and you know, it preaches the word of God to everybody. It's kind of after we've experienced that facade falling away and seeing kind of the truth behind what people are capable of, I think it opens our eyes and it opens our intuition to a lot of things. But for me at least, and I think for a lot of other survivors as well, but speaking for myself, my like sixth sense about people who are abusive or that something is off about them, that really did not kick in until 
after I was sexually abused. And then, you know, you tend to kind of start mistrusting people once you've had that experience. However, I want to say that just because people who survived sexual abuse had that betrayal happen to them, and just because we've seen it happen, does not mean that we're going to see that in everything and in everyone. Yet that tends to be kind of the attitude of people who maybe are on the outside looking in, they're not survivors of sexual abuse. Maybe they're just regular old church going people who tend to believe the best about everyone. And then they see all these survivors of sexual abuse speaking out about abuse and saying, you know, it's terrible what's happening in these churches. And, and, you know, people are kind of appalled, like what in the world? Like, why are you saying that all these horrible things are happening in churches? Why are you trashing the church and, you know, making the reputation of God look so terrible on Facebook? Why are you sharing these stories of pastors who sexually abuse children? You know, it disturbs people. And then we kind of tend to get that reputation. Mm, They think everybody's an abuser. They don't trust anybody. And that's just not, I mean, again, I can't speak for every survivor, but for many of the survivors I know, and definitely in my own experience, uh, I don't mistrust everyone. I don't automatically assume that everyone is an abuser. But I think that a distinction needs to be made here. And this is not just for people who have survived sexual abuse, but this is a distinction that we've been able to make because we have experienced sexual abuse. And that is the difference between thinking that everyone is an abuser or just being aware that an abuser could be anyone. And I think that it's easy, again, for survivors of sexual abuse to understand that an abuser could be anyone because we've experienced abuse from what you would consider typically to be the last people on earth you would ever suspect would abuse someone. And once you've had that experience, I don't believe that it makes you walk around on earth thinking every single person is an abuser um, because that didn't, didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to most of the survivors that I have the good fortune of knowing. We're not walking around thinking that every single person is an abuser and mistrusting every single person in the world. What we are very, very acutely aware of is that it doesn't matter how nice a person seems or what kind of a fancy job they have or how spiritual they appear on the outside. We have an understanding that while not everyone is an abuser, anyone can be an abuser. And I actually think that that's one of the most helpful understandings, if you will, in being able to protect yourself and to protect your children, and even to protect your church from sexual abuse. The understanding that while everyone is not an abuser, that anyone could be an abuser, that there is no special list of jobs where, you know, those jobs would exempt the people therein from ever sexually abusing a child. But when you talk to people in the church, especially, and people that have never had to deal with sexual abuse in their own life or in their church, you tend to get a lot of pushback because people just think true Christians are not sexually abusing children. They're not molesting children. So yeah, I'm not going to suspect my pastor of being a child molester because he could never do something like that. This is a man of God and he could never do something like that. And that tends to be the attitude of people within the church who have never had to deal with sexual abuse. 
And if there's an attitude that I could pinpoint as being one of the most dangerous attitudes to have, it's that one. If you watch any news story where some awesome couple, you know, that everybody just admired and thought was the greatest in the world, and then like the wife ends up disappearing and there's blood in the husband's car, you know, and and you always see like, on camera, a neighbor standing there being interviewed and like, oh, he was the nicest person in the world. I never believed he would do anything like this. And it's kind of that attitude that we have about a lot of the people who end up being molesters of children is that this person could never do something like that. And it's because they're very nice. It's because they're very spiritual. It's because they have the job of a pastor or a youth pastor. They're very helpful in the community. They're just a salt of the earth person. They make me laugh. You know, I I enjoy being around them. They're always so helpful. And we get the idea that people like that could never be sexual abusers. They could never be child molesters. So then when stories come out, it's really hard to deal with the cognitive dissonance. And so it's much easier to say, well, this this child or this person must be mistaken. They must not be remembering correctly, or they must just be a troubled person because this person could never do something like that. And that, I think, is one of the most dangerous attitudes that people in the church have. Because nobody's walking around thinking childhood sexual abuse isn't a big deal, like we shouldn't worry. I mean, I won't say nobody's thinking that, but pretty much that's not the attitude that people have. Um, most people would agree, yes, we should protect our children from childhood sexual abuse. That's very important. Yes, we should make sure that there's safety in our churches. But it's a dangerous attitude because it's one that kind of lets abusers get their foot in the door because you don't even realize that it's a very, very dangerous attitude that can translate to a dangerous environment. And that is the attitude that certain types of people are exempt from being child molesters because they're amazing people or the position that they have exempts them. And that is simply not the case. And that I think is why I can say with confidence that survivors have a unique understanding of what it takes to protect children. Because We're not walking around thinking that everyone is an abuser, but we have the much healthier understanding that an abuser can be anyone. There is no profession that is exempt from this. There is no level of of, of perceived spirituality that is exempt from this. And that's really important too, because um, we think that, oh my gosh, this man preaches the gospel. Like he he literally stands behind a pulpit and tells people how they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he's leading people to the Lord on a weekly basis. He couldn't be molesting children. But just like we've discussed in previous episodes where niceness and kindness are not the same thing, that somebody can be nice all day long, it doesn't make them kind. I think the same thing can be said, like somebody can be as spiritual as they want to be. Somebody can be quoting scripture and even preaching repentance and preaching Jesus and at the same time can be living a complete double lifestyle that would chill to the bone the people who sit in church with that person. I remember the man that I was discussing at the beginning of this episode who ended up uh, being found out as a a child molester and who I suspected, uh, he would constantly post Christian song lyrics. Like he had a Twitter and he had a Facebook and he really didn't say a whole lot of anything on Twitter or Facebook. He would constantly just on Sunday mornings put lines from worship songs 
in a tweet and it was, it would just be like song lyrics from worship songs. And so of course it gives off this air of, Oh, I'm just constantly in this state of worship. And, but to me, it freaked me out. I'm like, this is just weird. Who does this? And that actually made me feel even more like suspicious when I already had like these red flags popping up everywhere. That kind of was just nail in the coffin, if you will. The weird posting of song lyrics constantly, like you never have anything to say to the world. You're just constantly posting the lyrics of praise and worship songs. But if somebody, you know, who wasn't aware of any red flags saw that, they'd be like, oh, what a man after God's own heart. He just loves the Lord. This same man, trying to get ordained, and he actually did get ordained in the Nazarene church and work to be ordained as a minister. And the same time he's doing that, he's grooming children to sexually abuse them. So you cannot trust what you see somebody doing or even saying. And again, it's not to say like that you can never trust the words that come out of people's mouths or you can never trust what you see in front of you. It's just that that can't be the deciding factor for whether or not you believe that somebody could molest children because there is so much deception involved. And I think that it may be hard for some people to strike a balance. For me, I don't feel like it's difficult to strike a balance because I don't walk around thinking that every single person is abusing children. But when certain behaviors pop up, my intuition stands up and takes notice. And she's like, I have questions. You know, if there's this red flag behavior going on, if something seems a little bit off, that grabs my attention. My intuition is like, hmm, I'm not just saying this person is a child molester, not just blaming every single person in the world for molesting children and, and saying that every single person, you know, is definitely doing something awful. But when those red flags come up and when I see certain behaviors that are problematic, there's that sense of knowing and there's that intuition saying, stand up and pay attention. Doesn't mean you automatically believe that someone is doing something horrible to children. It's just an understanding that, hmm, this behavior is not adding up to me. It's raising some red flags. My intuition is is pricked. She's got questions. And so I'm going to pay attention. And I think that it's really helpful to us to have that understanding that no matter how wonderful people act publicly, an abuser could be anyone. And if that still sounds appalling to you, like if you're listening and you're not a person who's dealt with a lot of sexual abuse, I'll, I'll just say this. This is how that shows up in my life. When I see an article that says that, uh, like I saw today, that a youth pastor was arrested for sharing nude photos with a 14-year-old girl in his youth group, like I'm not surprised. Some people might be like, oh. <gasps> oh my goodness, like how, like I'm clutching my pearls because this happened. And I'm not saying I'm not outraged by it. I'm saying I'm not surprised by it. It's not that I think every youth pastor is doing those things. It's just that when a news story comes out where it's found out that a youth pastor did do those things, I'm not shocked because I understand that just because somebody is in that role does not preclude them from being a person who is not trustworthy because you don't know people. I mean, that's the bottom line. Somebody can tell you all day long that they're spiritual. Somebody can quote scriptures to you all day long, but you don't know the inner workings of every single person's mind. 
you don't know who's being deceitful and who's not being deceitful. And that's one of the biggest advantages that child predators have, because we look at the surface, we look at the outside, we look at how a person acts in front of us. And when somebody's goal is to get your children alone so that they can molest them, these people are trying to win over families. They're on their best behavior. They are acting like the kind of good, wonderful people that you would feel 100% confident letting your children be around. And because our behaviors don't always tell the full story of what's going on inside us, we've got to have the understanding that when it comes to abusers, no particular type of person is exempt. And in fact, abusers tend to be some of the nicest or most spiritual, and yes, I'm using air quotes when I pause like that, people that you've ever met. And I wanted to just share this on this episode because I've heard it a lot in my own advocacy and in my own just like being a survivor of sexual abuse. This is not just, you know, from the world at large, but even people close to me who are like, you know, you've had a bad experience, so you tend to mistrust people. And honestly, I can say I I don't. I'm actually a, a pretty trusting person until I'm given a reason to not be. And so when I meet somebody, I don't look at a person and think, oh, you know, there is a 50% chance that you're a child predator. So I'm going to keep my eye on you. Like that's not how it works. I just have an understanding that there are many people who are disguised as sheep who are in fact wolves and you have to watch and pray. Like we've got to keep our eyes open and that's the way that we protect children in the church. That's the way that we protect ourselves. I think it's healthy. I don't think it's an unhealthy like fear that every single person is trying to molest our children. I just think it's important to know and have that awareness that an abuser could be anyone. That doesn't mean that everyone is one. It just means that anyone could be. And we have to be vigilant and we have to listen to our intuition and watch for those behaviors that kind of prick our intuition. And at the same time, protect your kids with that knowledge. You know, I've heard people say like, my kids have an open door policy. They're not to have their bedroom door closed unless they're in there alone, you know, like not with anyone else, not when they have friends over, not when family members are over, you know, their aunt or their uncle is not going in a room with them and shutting a door like that's, it's an open door policy. And it's not that, you know, I think that my kids, aunts and uncles are all going to molest them. It's because I understand that believing that because a person is an aunt or an uncle, or because a person is a youth pastor or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, they could never do those things is a dangerous way to view the world. The old, he could never do something like that, or she could never do something like that, or he would never do that. Like those lines are what get churches into a lot of trouble and get people in general into a lot of trouble. So it's not like that we need to believe that every single person is out to prey upon children. It's that we need to have that healthy understanding that it could be anyone and everybody needs to follow the same set of rules. And when you discover something or a victim comes forward or you know an instance of abuse has been uncovered you can't trust a public persona that you know you know you can't trust that that means beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing has happened and you see 
what's been going on in John MacArthur's church and all the scandals that are just being uncovered over and over and over again, where it seems like he's just covered up child sexual abuse and covered for sexual abusers of children for years. And there's a lot of that, oh, he could never do something like that. And if you believe that there is a type of person that could never do something like that, when survivors come forward and tell you that indeed that person did do something like that, you're not going to believe them. And you're going to be embroiled in scandal after scandal after scandal because you are believing what your eyes are perceiving in front of you instead of understanding that you don't have access to somebody's internal thoughts and feelings and and what they're plotting and planning. Um, We don't have access to that. And the people who do commit heinous crimes against children are very careful about what they display publicly and what they do and think about privately. So the next time somebody accuses you of thinking that everybody is a child molester or that everyone is an abuser, um, I think that you can kind of push back a little bit on that with this. No, I don't think that everyone is an abuser. I just understand that an abuser could be anyone. It's a small distinction, but it's really, really important. And I think that if everybody had that understanding that an abuser could be anyone, we'd live in a much safer world. It's very difficult for people to accept, unfortunately. It's really difficult for people to just accept that that's true because it really messes with their worldview and the rose-colored glasses uh, from which they view everything. And so a lot of people just won't accept it. Or they'll say that they accept that, but then really they're not accepting it because they're thinking that had never happened in my church. You know, not my pastor, not my youth pastor, uh, nobody I know. And yet it happens. An abuser can be anyone. And that's what I believe. Not that everyone is one. So just wanted to chat about that with you today and kind of give you that if you've had some of the same pushback and advocacy that I've had, um, or if people have ever accused you of the same thing, you just don't trust people because you've been abused. You know, you think, you know, everybody's out to get everybody. No, that's not what I think at all. Um, And actually, I I think that our way of, of viewing the world is a lot healthier. A lot of people will look at us and be like, you know, it's unhealthy that you have this mistrust of people or it's unhealthy. Actually, no, it's it's very healthy that I understand that abusers can be any type of people and no position is going to exempt a person from that. And that actually is healthy and that actually can help protect us and others from a lot in life. So that's what I had for you today. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as always. So you can share them on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page. And I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.